0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Western Focus Podcast. I'm your host Stephen Meister, with me is my co-host Cobalt. We have a very exciting episode coming back from our week off, had some things come up, apologize for missing another week. Hopefully things will be a bit more consistent, but regardless of that, a very fun week of the LEC and the LCS has just passed by us. LEC has just started their playoff format, a ton of exciting matches have already happened there. LCS also just had their super week in preparation for a, I believe it's a two-week hiatus that they will be taking in the middle of their season to accommodate the Valorant Champions Tournament that Riot has going on in the LCS studio. I think now it's technically like just like the Riot Games studio, so there will, end, there will be a, another week of LCS this coming week, but after that there will be a two-week gap to accommodate Valorant, and then they will finish off the LCS season so we will be starting off with the LCS in this episode as we started off with the LEC in the last episode but before we get in to our normal discussion of the games and the important topics of the day in Western League of Legends Blue how you doing
1: I'm doing great it's always good to do these things I love talking about the game I know you do too and excited to get right back into it we got some good stuff here
0: Yep, will be a fun episode. Like I said, I do apologize if I don't have the same energy level as in some of the previous episodes. Uh, I I ended up taking... I tried to take a nap yesterday at around, like, maybe it was things like 5.30 or 6 o'clock my time. That became basically just a seven-hour normal sleep. Uh, So it's starting to catch up to me now as we record this late uh, in the following day. So hopefully I can muster up some strength and stuff and i'm sure as i get into a certain point of my lcs uh discussion i will be able to get my energy recovered uh in time to deliver an impassioned speech Um, but anyways we will get into that in a little bit we will be starting with the lcs fresh off of their super week and taking a quick look at the standings FlyQuest are the only team in sole possession of first place at a six and one record A very strong start for FlyQuest. I think we were both expecting them to be one of the top teams. Not necessarily the top team, maybe. Super strong performances from them. Six and one. Sole possession of first place. Then we have a three-way tie for second. With NRG, Team Liquid, and 100 Thieves. At four and three. And then, where everyone expected uh, C9 to be following. Tied with Immortals uh, for fifth place in the LCS 3 and 4 just as everyone thought and then Shopify Rebellion and Dignitas making up the bottom two at 2 and 5 so definitely some surprises in there Uh, obviously most notably C9 we'll get to C9 in a little bit Uh, I think Dignitas and Shopify Rebellion kind of sitting there 2 and 5 not necessarily too crazy Immortals not that far off from it obviously those were the teams that were making up our bottom three. And then I'd say the probably the biggest pleasant surprise out of all of them uh, would be Andre Thief sitting up there at four and three with a bunch of rookies kind of having that similar mold to Mad Lions in the LEC, the veteran experienced jungler in River being able to lead Sniper, Quid who is a second year player, Ayla who is a second year player as well, but uh, having Meech come up from the NACL who you know this team has had you know obviously plenty of mixed results four and three it's not like they're dominating but they have had a good run I do think that they were expected to be kind of in that bottom half of the league and they're sitting relatively nicely up in in the upper half right now so good stuff from 100 Thieves uh coming out from that and then as I said before yes C9 sitting down there in that tie with Immortals I will be getting into uh, rants on both of those teams. Actually, Immortals, I think, actually has been a surprise despite being uh, 3-4. and They've actually looked pretty good, especially in the Super Week, ending that 2-1, and taking off wins against both Cloud9 and the defending champions NRG. Blue, have you watched a, a lot of the Super Week, and what are your thoughts about these LCS teams going into it so far?
1: Yeah, so I have been able to get myself caught up on all these games and wasn't able to catch them all quite live, but I have seen them all. And the the general kind of consensus, I feel, on this on these standings right now, and they mentioned this plenty of times on the cast too, is that the League, talking to the players, seeing these results even on stage, the League seems to be pretty close, which a lot of people coming out the gate, I know you and myself included, didn't really see that coming. Like, there should have been a very clear gap between the likes of your Immortals and something like a FlyQuest or a C9. So... Seeing that there's been genuine competition between these teams and not even necessarily because it was a fluke or something crazy happened, it just been genuinely outperformances in some areas, underperformances in other areas, and the league has been significantly more entertaining to watch than a lot of people would have predicted. And I do want to give a shout out there to 100 Thieves because you mentioned that they have a sort of similar setup going on to Madline's Lions Koi right now. In that they have a lot of rookies to these upper leagues. But I think what makes 100 Thieves a lot more special is they don't have that pre built synergy that a lot of Mad Lions quite has. Because as we mentioned in our previews, the mid laner, the bot lane, and the support on that team, which is Frescawi, Supa, and Alvaro, those three players already played together. Their coach Melzet already worked together with them on Mavi Star Riders. So 100 Thieves don't have this setup. And they came together under the guidance of River. Maybe some of their the other players are starting to find their voice and take leadership in their own kind of way. This team has shown very good things so far, and I'm I, I'm surprised at how fast it's gelled together, and I hope that they keep going along that trajectory.
0: Yep, they've definitely been the most impressive team to be in that spot, being above 500 in the top half of the standings. I'll be kind of keeping this one uh for my section of this episode kind of how we've had similar formats before talking about like a you know, good surprises bad surprises mvps LVPs, stuff like that hundred thieves definitely a good surprise up there uh again plenty of you know ups and downs they're only four and three it's not like they're lighting the world on fire or anything but i think you did make a good point of talking about synergy where we've talked about teams like nrg and whatever you know magical team factor that they have generally keeps them you know overperforming you would expect how the the individual skill level of of guys like you know dokla and palafox and fbi whatever magical thing they had going on with their call the coaches and stuff last year four and three this year a little bit of a slower start but obviously they had a ton of matches it was a big grind last year for them not a lot of those guys were used to that you know hopefully they can continue to you know kind of find their form again and just you know enjoy probably a couple of weeks off in the middle of the season where maybe otherwise they might not have appreciated that as much so whereas for 100 thieves you know having that aspect of yeah these guys aren't you know as synergized and experienced they might not not know each other as well as a mad Lions, as an NRG as even a BDS who we'll get to i'm sure later on talking about the LEC as well finishing as high as they have been they'll be going into a very entertaining series against G2 hopefully uh, in this next week of matches for them so huge credit to 100 Thieves for that because even if it hasn't been super perfect, you have seen the moments out of the players that you would like to see. Quid has had some really standout performances. Sniper has had some very standout performances and has Meech. So you're, you're getting to see the glimpses of success from these players and what you would want to see out of them as, you know, uh, good, strong carry players. There still does need to be some ironing out of like, you know, obviously not everyone's going to be able to take over every single game. But I think the... I think part of the beauty of League of Legends is that if your team really is stomping everyone can you know have those those crazy kind of games it's not always going to be happening like that but it really does make you enjoy you know the few games that happen here there where everyone on the team is just going crazy and making plays whether it's 1v1 or in team fights and it's been a lot of fun to watch them play especially Sniper who has had some great moments and some dud moments in the 1v1's uh, top lane especially. And then the other good surprise Again, would be immortals, more so coming off of this super week. Again, it was a two-in-one super week for them with wins against two of the generally respected top teams in the league, Cloud9 and NRG. And I want to give a special shout out to I think Tactical, who, you know, I think has been performing pretty well. Castle has had some good moments he wasn't quite as consistent i don't think as tactical has been over the course of the season but castle has had a couple of pop-off games he had a terrible zach game in the Super Week game that they lost i forget who they were playing but he went like 0 seven and four on the zach it wasn't it wasn't pretty but tactical i think has had some pretty consistent performances he's team fighting really well he's really being able to put the team on his back at points i, I do want to give also credit to ole because he had that bard game against cloud nine that was absolutely nasty and that just com- completely ran a train on on JoJo and, and all of C9, really helping enable you know tactical in those fights to, to get into good positions and just really set up some nice easy kills. But I'm I'm really impressed I'm really impressed with tactical. I think he has improved, and I think maybe the team around him is a bit better. Like I remember talking about in our preview episode for the LCS, where it's like, hey, you know, I don't expect a lot out of this Immortals team, but if they do hit this kind of stride, where maybe a couple teams around them are faltering. And if they actually have some good performances from Tactical and maybe Castle and Mascar are adjusting well, I said maybe they could finish, you know, like fifth at at best. And that's right where they're at right now. So I do think that the peak for Immortals is showing. But there might actually be a little bit more there than we thought because of how competitive the league is. And we definitely thought it was not going to be this way you know at least at least there is a team that is standing out at the top in FlyQuest. thank goodness for that because i know a lot of people as fans like you know they really like the competitiveness you know and and seeing like oh you know anyone can be anyone on any given day I, i i like to see at least one team like separate themselves at at the top to be like okay like you know at least if we do have you know like a top representative going into an international tournament as a one seed i want to feel confident in them like okay this team just isn't getting rolled, you know, by like Shopify Rebellion or Dig or IMT on a random day and just losing and getting blown out by them, you know, I want want to have confidence that, hey, okay, you know, whether it's whether it is FlyQuest, obviously I'd prefer it to be C9, but if it's FlyQuest or NRG or whoever it's going to be I want someone to be able to stand out, so at least there is that going on uh, with FlyQuest but Immortals actually does have a big game coming up against FlyQuest, Sunday February 11th on the, I believe it is the last game of the day on Sunday before we get into that hiatus. And that will be the game that I will be looking out forward to the most because I think that could be a good test for IMT. FlyQuest did take care of Immortals pretty handedly when they played each other last. So even though, uh, I'm, I want to be clear, I'm not expecting Immortals to win this game, but if they can show you know, that there is some improvement going on If they can play a more competitive game uh, against FlyQuest, where, like I said, it was a pretty convincing defeat before, if they can show that this improvement is actually real against FlyQuest, then I think you can really start kind of getting into that hype train for Immortals. That's the one team where it's like, hey, they're clearly a cut above. You play a strong game against them, and you can really kind of validate all of this stuff that's going on uh, around you with getting good results against an an underperforming C9. In an NRG, that's still, you know they're 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 kind of figuring things out still maybe but like I said they could really appreciate that break in the in the middle part of the season here so shout outs to immortals great surprise for them shout out to I, uh shout out to 100 thieves excuse me great surprise for them and now ladies and gentlemen we're going to be getting into the bad surprise of the LCS and the bad surprise of the spring split so far just so happens to be the, the the I I didn't call it a super team, okay? But everyone else calls it a super team. But it's cloud nine, okay? They're 3 and 4. They're tied with the mortals for let me just double check. Amici. Yeah, they're they're tied for 5th in in the spring split with the mortals.
1: Yeah, shout out though that uh you know, the the LCS graphics people are kind of throwing C9 a bone by having them Above immortals in the standings here in Titan Fifth when they should really be below since Immortals does have the head to head. So they're Yeah, they do it alphabetically. They're soft yeah. sixth place, really.
0: Yeah, in, in reality they're sixth. They they do it alphabetically on the websites. So that's that's just how it is. Um but yeah, C9 is technically in sixth place because of that head to head loss. Um And yeah, it's just embarrassing. Like I I, I remember just watching and as and not, not drawing that far back, but just the first week, first a uh, week and a half when they started three and O. And I remember saying on the podcast, like, like, man, like it's so fun watching C9 play right now because like berserker really isn't doing anything like, and, and, and C9 just crushing people, right? Like this could be a great year for C9 where if berserker doesn't really have to do that much, and there's not a lot of pressure on him and, you know, JoJo can really take over a game now, you have a reliable carry in the mid lane who can be enabled by Blabber obviously, and then if Vulcan gets around the map too, then, you know, taking the pressure off Berserker is huge, because that's been the C9 strategy of playing League of Legends for ever since Berserker's been on the team, basically, has been if Berserker's not carrying the game, then it is a bit up in the air, as if, you know, maybe they can actually get a win or not. A lot of the big team fights and stuff that happened in some of the clutch games for C9 where like okay like maybe a, f- a fight breaks out and berserker's not quite there yet he's not in range and maybe you know c9 member dies and it looks kind of dicey and then berserker just like dashes in on Zeri or something like that or a and he comes in and he just like kills everyone it's after the after he gets in it's like oh okay great you know it's like it looked it looked kind of bad but berserker showed up he 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 hands diffed everyone and he's he's a great player obviously the mechanics are there and then they end up winning and uh, when uh, they end up winning the games after that. Whereas in in this uh, iteration of C9 so far, it has not been that way. Berserker has not actually looked that good, even though um, that was obviously going to be the expectation. And yeah, the the first week at least got covered up because you know JoJo is playing really well, and it seemed like C9 were just like going to be a dominant team. Whereas now it's not looking that way at all. I think especially uh, I want to put some blame on the i would say i want to put some blame on the drafting i, I can't specifically say coaching because obviously not being there how much does Mythi control draft versus how much do the players say like how much you know we, we want to pick this champion you know and how much are they really thinking about a cohesive team comp it's hard to it's hard to put Blame on who or who. Mithy did put out a tweet saying, you know, like he is taking the fall, obviously as a, as a good coach in, in any sport, e-sport or regular sport should. The coach takes the fall for the players. Like, hey, fans, don't don't attack the players. Keep supporting them. Put it on me. You know, that's that that that's that's part of the coach's job is to be the fall guy for you know like public perception if things aren't going right. Don't let it get to the players, let them focus and try to figure things out, and then you take all the blame. So I respect Mithy for doing that, but obviously not being there, we don't know exactly how it's divvied up. But the the, the drafting on C9 has not been good. It's not consistent. They don't have consistent ideas in their drafts the 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 lucian picks for berserker even though i i i i know berserker can pull off a lucian lucian is just cursed right now and he's not he's not able to pull off he's not able to pull it off right like there's only one win on lucian i don't forget if it's in the west but definitely in the lcs there's only one win on lucian and it was jan and Jan did absolutely nothing in that game either. Like, the Lucian was absolutely useless in that game too. So, like, you know, the just just stop picking Lucian, please.
1: Yeah, so to, to your credit there, the Lucian pick is also cursed in EU. EU fortunately has two wins, so, you know, not too much higher, but we do have the two. It was on uh, ExaKick and then Hansama, they picked up a win each. But yeah, something about that pick just isn't working at all anywhere in the West, and NA is just as much a victim.
0: Yeah, and I do want to give uh, credit to, I don't remember which analyst it was, but it's been said on the, or maybe it was even a player, but I remember hearing on broadcast plenty by now, saying like just, there's not a lot of room for error on like Lucian Milio or Lucian X, because a lot of these fights now are so explosive Especially now that we've been seeing things like brand jungle getting picked, where it's like, you know, if if you're playing like Lucian and you're, you know, dashing like guess you have the you have great mobility and the milio especially can give you some extra range and the healing is nice, you know, and everything. But you really you really need to be careful because it all it takes is one little dash in too far. And, and, you know, that's that's a flash-like rel Q or a flash-rel combo on you, or a brand exploding you in the face, or maybe you you've accidentally dashed the wrong way and face tank like a corky rocket or something, you know, or you get shuffled. Like, there, there's so much threat around you as a Lucian if you just make one little mistake, because you rely so much on being able to be aggressive and, and find aggressive angles and pressure people in fights. And then you also are putting a lot of pressure on your teammates as well, your tanks, to be able to be in the right positions to help you out as well. So there's a lot, especially around the Lucian. Whereas if you're playing, you know, an Aphelios, uh, if you're playing a Varus, even the poke Varus, you know, like you're you're kind of in the backline. There's not as much like agency on you. You know like you're, you're kind of either poking them out with varus or you're waiting for people to kind of come in on you ideally with a felios and then you have your enchanter maybe and it's easier for them to be around you because you kind of know where you're going to be you're not going to be randomly like okay i'm a felios like oh yeah i'm gonna flash in there and dash in there i'm gonna blow my whole kit on someone and try to burst them and one shot them or, or at least find a favorable chunk maybe we can get some positioning around an objective after that you need to do that on Lucian because it's just you don't have that reliable safeness to you. It's all about you know getting in there and finding good trades, being aggressive, finding good windows.
1: Yeah, and I the one sh- shout out that I wanted to make as you're kind of talking about this, it came back to me. If anybody follows the dive, um, they have, and what's his name? Is it Medios? Yeah, so they have Medios on the podcast now. Great addition, by the way. But. Uh, I think that he made a really interesting point that a lot he in his point of view people aren't playing Lucian correctly in that as you're saying he needs to be aggressive he and it's all in the hands of the AD carry to find those angles because it's a very untraditional type of carry that goes in identifies blows up a target that's he's sort of an assassin in that sense almost and when you have an Enchanter supporting them it's not entirely feasible that you're going to be flashing in with a Lucian because you're just as likely to get blown up if something goes wrong. So Medios's proposed suggestion was to rather pick Lucian with an engage type champion like a Nautilus and then that way your support is kind of in that mindset already will be helping you find angles and will be able to commit with you when you do find one.
0: And we saw like Lucian Braum before you know like that was like old, old, old reliable was Lucian Braum
1: so it is a lot about your team recognizing what it is you want to do being able to play around that and enable you where you know usually you are enabling your ad carry to dish out the most damage so if your team isn't set up for success how are you supposed to succeed so kind of an interesting angle there where if you maybe flip the way that it's played maybe it will start seeing more success because na and eu as well are seeming to really do that
0: yeah i mean at this point just 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 scrap it for now like you, you you can work on that in scrims right like figure figure out the pairings and but right now especially you know just like like berserkers are great enough players especially the, we're, i'm gonna circle this back to c9 Berserkers is a great player but right now it's just cursed stay away from it the drafts need to be a lot more cohesive on c9 it's like they they, they pick like a lot of early game stuff like the lucian they get fudge you know on like Aatrox or you know stuff like that and Berserker or not? Excuse me, not Berserker. Blabber is picking, you know, like Lilia and a bunch of like full clear champs. Where it's like, he's not able to find like the agency on stuff like that. He's either playing like full clear champs like Lilia or he's playing a lot of tanks. And that's not like what Blabber's role is. Like he needs to be able to be free around the map and make those decisions for himself. Where it's like. Okay, like put me on under a, a carry that you know can give me some agency or give me at least good like lane gank setup, you know, for for my my laners with CC or crowd control, you know, like like I, he needs to be able to find a way to get back to that old style that he has where he was dominating the league for so long, and it's just really nothing on C9 seems to be working right now, unfortunately, and it's and it's crazy because of how stark a drop off it's been. They started off three and zero. Like, and and now they're 0-4, 0-3 in the super week, obviously, and it's just a completely unrecognizable team. So I I think, you know, kind of again, luckily for for C9 as well, this this couple week break that would would never normally exist could hopefully be a good tipping point for the team if they can at least get one win uh, in this upcoming week. They play NRG for sure, and then let me pull it up, they play 100 Thieves as well, so... Teams that are not obviously far off from them in the standings. It's its very, very clumped up standings right now. But both teams are uh, higher ranked than them. They're uh, NRG and 100 Thieves are both 4-3, and three, C9's 3-4. Three and four. So, not necessarily the hardest competition. C9 did beat NRG opening day. So you would have at least some confidence in there maybe to at least maybe beat them. I think 100 Thieves would, would really be the get-right game for C9 because they trounced them in their first matchup. So, like, there is a chance that C9 can get a win and at least try to, again, use that break as a reset, you know, figure out the draft issues, figure out a more cohesive play style, a real identity for them, because um, they're, they're just all over the place right now, and it's very disappointing to watch. This is a team where, you know, the expectation is first or bust at the least from the regular season. You know, obviously winning the title in the playoffs is going to be hard. There are some really great teams in the league, like FlyQuest. But it's like three and three and four should never have been in, in in play, especially since like I I never called them a super team, right? There's no curse here. They're just they're just playing bad. Uh, they're drafting bad. They're playing bad. It's really disappointing. So uh, I I hope C nine can figure it out. Um, cause I don't know what like what roster changes would you make, right? Like I think if anything, you you got to change the coaching if 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 they suck, right? Like like Mythy. Like, he's, he's okay, but, like, C9 went from having, like, some really nice coaches on that team, like Max Waldo, uh, who's now, like, retired from League of Legends, I believe, or at least, like, doing professional League of Legends-related stuff. Revan was a coach on that team, he's now the Shopify Rebellion coach, Then a couple other guys as well. ViGAr v is like, an, an analyst for them, but he's a remote analyst from, from what I, I think I've heard, is that he's not with the team, he's in Europe. So I think the only real coaches that they have on that team are Mithy and, and then him and, and, and Viker's not even there. So I hope that they can find something in the budget to, to add some more coaches on that team. Maybe they can add 100 coaches on that team. Because if it really is just Mithy, like being the main guy, and I, I know they do have High. They brought High as like a, a, like a manager, I think, for the team. I am not sure how involved he really is in like coaching and stuff like that but they they got to they got to change something whether it's Mithy getting out there and bringing someone back um I, I wouldn't mind i mean i would love to see Sven come back but it's like i don't, like, obviously it's not realistic but cuz i talked about that before too where it's like i think Sven's personality for the team is is was great he's such like a he strikes that balance of like still being Mimi and fitting in that C9 you know classic tradition but he tells it like it is and again like i don't know how how vulcan is in in terms of that personality with him but i think sven is like the exact type of character that c9 needs even if he might not be the best support that you could have he was still pretty good and i think i think you at this point you definitely need like i feel like that personality in that team of sven so good good luck c9 i'm still gonna be rooting for you but you're not going to be favored for any matches for me right now until you actually win
1: I personally at least would hesitate a little just to make changes just yet. I feel like C9 is probably going to be one of the teams that benefits the most from this hiatus that's upcoming. Obviously, we have one more week of play before that happens. Uh, Maybe C9 bounces back, as you mentioned, against 100 Thieves, hopefully, but uh, I, I think that they will find benefit in being able to take a break, kind of slow it down, maybe to even take a couple days off from the game, bring it back. Reevaluate and find it what it is that makes them win because they are a team that can win. We've seen it in the we- opening week. We've seen it in that third game as well. That it is a team that it works if they're on their day. But lately, it seems something's like there's some kind of slump. Maybe they're fighting amongst each other or something. I'm not convinced yet that they've showed what it is they've got, and I, I'm still. On, uh, I'm still there in support of that that bounce back because I think it is in in them.
0: And Jojo did Jojo did have an interview with Ashley Kang, um, and he had he had a nice little you know like, classic confident like spin on it. It's like oh you know, well I'm you know it, it's it's fine you know like it, it's much more fun if we're if we're dropping some games and it's more competitive you know it'll be it's not it's no fun if we're just stomping everyone and it's just a, it's a free ride you know to a title or whatever. So you know I, I respect that out of Jojo you know the the whether you want to call it trash talk or arrogance or confidence or whatever but i respect it that's the kind of attitude that i I do like to at least see that you know it's not like he's he's no slumping or putting his head down or anything he's he's still confident in the team and their abilities so that's a lot of fun hopefully they can figure it out and take advantage of that break uh a couple of quick things before we switch it over into the LEC discussion, because as we said at the beginning, LEC playoffs have started. They're in full gear. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Some really crazy games, some crazy series in there. Um, match of the week, I kind of mentioned it before already, was IMT versus FlyQuest. Should be a nice test, uh, limit test game, basically, for Immortals. If they can put up a good fight, that will be a really good sign for them. And then, uh, most recently, within the last couple of hours of this podcast uh, starting revenge has announced his retirement he put out a nice long post uh basically saying things like uh, he doesn't feel like there's a real upward trajectory for him in the league for his play anymore with obviously some teams being cut out there were players that missed out on teams licorice another top laner missed out on a team revenge not on a team this year as well so he's decided to call it quits mentions uh, mentions that mentions that he might be looking to go back to university uh, so good luck to Revenge on whatever he does. It, it really does suck because even on Immortals, he did have some decent moments, but he was a bit rawer, especially when he was first coming into the league. On Evil Geniuses, that team last year definitely did have some some good moments, and Revenge did look like he was, he was shining a bit. So I think it is really rough that, you know, with just the situation that happened on the LCS in general, teams got removed. Obviously, players are going to be removed as a result of that, with two less teams being there. It sucks that he was one of them. Um... And it's, it's 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 another sad uh story of of another na talent uh being you know put to waste now we've seen guys like five fire who was a super hyped up prospect to never even get a shot in the lcs despite winning a lot of amateur tournaments and you know just being well known around the scene i think there there was rumblings that he had some like you know like personality issues like toxicity and stuff like that i, I wouldn't know about that obviously but that's what I've, i feel like i remember hearing about that he never got the chance which is a shame because he was super talented um we have seen at least some guys get promoted uh, recently. I talked about with Meech and Masu, etc. But sucks for revenge, uh, who I think was really starting to hopefully find a stride. Uh, he's he's calling it quits now, but I respect the decision. So best of luck, revenge, and whatever you do next.
1: Yeah, he's one of those players that I've always thought and believed didn't get the appropriate chance, I would say, that maybe that evil genius's roster to the back end of his career here was the closest thing he got to a team around him that would be able to unlock his ability and show exactly how high he can reach as a top laner. I think that he had an interesting play style in that he took very aggressive trades and found comfort in more aggressive kind of styles of play and and picks and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, seeing him on teams like Immortals that were more or less bottom-locked to to begin with, really doesn't really show you what the, the full capacity of one of these players is. So it is a bit sad to see him go for me as well. Uh, best of luck, of course, to whatever it is he chooses to do. If he kind of comes back to the scene in a smaller capacity, maybe as like a positional coach or something to that effect, I think it'd be great. Uh, but, but otherwise best of luck to him when whatever he chooses to do next, I think he's, he's given a lot to the league, even as, as someone that wasn't able to quite make the impact he would have hoped for
0: the, the immortals debuff and the Dignitas debuff are definitely, and and were real. Uh, so yeah, definitely not the ideal outcome for someone like revenge who did obviously have some real talent that is now going to be ended up putting on the sideline, but that is enough of the LCS talk. We have playoff matches going on in Europe, and I will be handing the mic over to blue to lead us off into the lec discussion blue take it away
1: Alrighty. so before we get started on that because we will be taking a bit of a forward look approach in terms of what we discussed today but i did wanted to give a quick shout to the two teams we had uh eliminated since of course we didn't uh, get the chance to talk to you last week uh very quick send off here to rogue and kc uh, they were obviously the two weaker, weakest teams in the league. I'm not sure that anybody's too surprised they were the ones that dropped out. You know, Giant X was kind of in the running, but I think they did prove to be a bit, at least a bit better than these two. So, you know, sad to see them go, but it was deserved. Uh, on the Rogue side, to their credit, it seemed that in the last week they accepted who they were and like, you know, some of that super passive play f- very slow and hope for a late game win... Uh, They started drafting things like J4 to give Marcoon a bit of early game agency, but then put your Larson on a core key to allow him to kind of play that slower lane and then outscale. And the meta just isn't supporting this kind of style of play like it used to. So that I feel is a big contributor to why they've dropped out this way. Um, you know, you, you, in today's meta in the LEC, you got to be able to at least stay even early. Don't let yourself fall too far behind there. Mid game is very much the decider and it doesn't feel like rogue necessarily unlocks themselves yet at that point in the game. So relying on late game right now seems a lot like relying on the enemy outplaying themselves, which in the game against KC was what ended up happening. We saw that, uh, KC had that great early game, but then they started throwing just like they always did before this in the mid-game. They got outscaled in the end because Rogue had that superior late-game draft. And, you know, both on both ends, we have two dysfunctional rosters here. Um, on the KC side, I think that it's really disgusting now that they've announced they're benching Yamato and then the verbiage on that announcement makes it sound like they're not going to change anything else. Uh, I... Th- I can kind of see the rationale for trying again, since, of course, they picked up the two wins when the pressure left. But I I feel like that sent the team the wrong message, that the team's salvageable when I don't think it is. Uh, at the very least, Targumis, I think, is irredeemable based on his performance. He had literally one game where he wasn't playing for the other team, uh, and I, Trimby's available, so I think that that would have been a very clear, very immediate upgrade. Um, I think that this roster should at least be able to hit playoffs in the upcoming spring split, just because they have shown sort of more cohesiveness. But I'm not confident they're going to go very far after that. I think they're going to underperform once again. And it's just kind of sad from both these teams that they haven't really been able to show all that much to get excited about.
0: Yeah, Rogue, Rogue, at least we expected it. Like, we were not high on Rogue at all. We had we had KC finishing in the upper half of, of our, in our predictions. So the I, I think the fact that, the only, again, assuming that the only change that they would be making is Yamato right now, I think it's pretty disgusting because Yamato was obviously, I mean, you, you can contribute problems to everyone on that team to some extent, but Yamato, I feel like, was probably the least of the problems. You know, it's like, not, not every draft was great. But there was that... I forget which game it was, maybe you don't remember. But they had they had that one super draft that they just completely blew that game. Was it the Vitality game? Yeah, that was the game where Targamas just didn't tank the, the Maokai ult and he W'd out of it as well and let Bode face tank it and get exploded. You, you, you could really just replace everyone on that team and, like, you could have a valid argument for it. Like, Cabo and Seiken and Targamas were just horrible. I would say, like, pretty flat out. Upset wasn't... Uh, he wasn't the worst player on the team but he he was not good either like and, and that i think that i think was the biggest surprise was that you know while he has been on his fair share of bad teams i feel like he has at least the pedigree of having been you know like a, a relatively well respected and, and great player at points in his career as well that i feel like people would give him the benefit of the doubt if he had a bad split But, like, a lot of his his team fighting especially was just really bad. Like, not being in in proper positions for fights or not being in fights at all. You know, I I remember people were kind of getting on Berserker at some points last year. uh, For, like, you know, like, oh, he's, like, farming uh, a wave or whatever as C9's starting a fight. And then he joins the fight late and then saves the fight and kind of plays, like, hero ball. I feel like it was kind of the same thing for Upset at times. But sometimes Upset just wasn't there. Like, he just couldn't get there in time because the fight was already over because everyone else was dead. So... Uh, some of it's obviously not on him. He's not the main problem on that team. But you could argue replacing him as well. It sucks that they couldn't use Kalista, obviously, because otherwise they wouldn't have had upset in the first place. But that's that's just how the cookie crumbles. I, why? What? Have Have we seen like a, a beer sponsorship or something on the broadcast? Because like, why? Why would they not? Why would they raise the minimum age if there's no alcohol sponsorship?
1: To my knowledge, I haven't seen one. It's still like Kit Kat for pauses, like the, the the usual kind of people. So I'm I'm lost in terms of why they did that.
0: Yeah, because th- that was the expected thing. It was like you know, oh, if you're if you're making the minimum age like 18, it's probably because like you know maybe there's some sort of you know sponsorship or something like that that like deals, gambling, like, maybe like yeah, gambling or alcohol or something. Right? Like I think alcohol is like 21. Maybe it's different in Europe, but you know it's like something like that, right? That you would need to have you know like for legal reasons but yeah so i don't know why they changed the limit if there's nothing like that or maybe something fell through and it just kind of sucks that it happened i don't know um and then bo is the interesting one because i feel like bo with the reputation that he got on vitality last year was obviously being a very volatile player. that's that was his reputation always but the, the, the lows were super super low and he did have plenty of super super low games this year but on the same token l- like listening to like the voice comms episodes that they've put out Bo is like super like talkative and his English is good and he's like the main communicator which I think is also really ridiculous because you're having this guy even though his English is good it's his second language why is he being like the most talkative guy on the team by a large margin like, like, that that's the surprising thing, is, like, how much more he talks than everyone else on the team combined, even, at some points. So, like, th- that's the thing that I think stands out to me the most when I'm looking at Bo, is the communication. And he has a lot of pressure on him, obviously, as the jungler, you know, to, to facilitate, make plays, take risks, like, in that vitality game. He was doing great until Targum has griefed them. But then he also still has those moments of, you know, just like, yeah, like, Bo, what are you doing? But he's kind of forced into those moments, I think, because he's not the main problem. Cabo and Sakin are just really bad, and I, I was hoping that Sakin would be good, because you know he had previous LEC history, didn't go great for him, but he's worked his way up, spent like three-ish years, whatever it's been, in, in the LFL on K Corp. It, it's it's not there with him. Cabo, he was okay before. I didn't have too many expectations for him. He he didn't live up to you know anything big either. Bo was like the the probably the best guy on the team, but he also looked the worst at plenty of points because he's in a position where he really kind of has to overcompensate for everyone. And guess what? When you try to overcompensate, bad things are going to happen sometimes.
1: To Upset's credit, I think that he also has been a a voice on the team. Uh, in many cases, he was sort of micromanaging what Targamas was doing, in some cases unsuccessfully, because there was one point in the comms where uh, Bow and Upset were very clearly calling for a dive. They needed Targamas to tank first uh, in order for them to succeed. Targamas just literally does not tank because instead of hitting the support right in front of his face, he starts to walk further under the turret to try to hit the 80 carry. He doesn't tank in time. The dive gets botched very clearly on him and upset is kind of trying to tell him to you know ward here engage here whatever it is he's still not performing so i think that upset and bow are the two pieces of this team that uh i would be the first to keep uh the other three are the most replaceable especially in that support role i think targamas has been a griefer this split and there's no other way to put it so I don't know if they run back the same five, they might do a little better just because 10th is kind of disgusting for the team, but I'm not convinced they're going to do all that much better if they do run it back. So, you know, a a very sad send off to both these teams because they it wasn't even that they put up a fight and it was two teams that had to be cut. They were just very clearly the ones that needed to be cut. And if they don't make changes, it's going to stay that way.
0: And, and that's saying something with like GX because like I think most people just expected GX to flop with Jackies and like Peach you know Peach wasn't that great last year he had a little bit of LEC playing time Jackies had no expectations he had the one great debut game and then the rest of it was you know pretty up and down I'm not you know gonna kill him or anything because he is you know a rookie coming from a a, a much worse you know regarded uh, ERL league and like the Super league or stuff like that it, it really shows you know like with, with KC like that you know losing losing out to GX like with with all the uncertainty that they had and all of the hype that KC had it was really disappointing.
1: So a very deserved and somber send-off here to both Rogue and KC. Hopefully they show something new because otherwise it's gonna it's gonna be another repeat and we don't want that. But now we're gonna move our attention here to the upcoming matchups uh, with the team still fighting to, to win it all here. Uh, And we're kind of going to integrate our our talking points on what we've seen so far into our predictions for what is to come. So taking a look at what's up next on the schedule, we've got the first matchup of SK Gaming versus Team Heretics. And to me, it's a very depressing sight to see them here in the the last chance bracket. Uh, These were my pick for second place in SK and fourth in Team Heretics. But one of them's about to finish seventh uh, tied seventh eighth uh I think that both teams have fallen off very hard. They had a a great early start um with the exception of heretics' very first game, but I think the the two performed very well in the beginning and then started falling off very hard uh on the heretics side it's it seems to be that wonder and Yankos are the two players working the hardest. Flahead's coming in, and he's not necessarily flashy by any means, but he's kind of pulling his weight and then it's just the success of this team entirely depends on whether or not Perks queues up as a minion or as a human being. And usually he tends to flip that coin tails. So it it's to me at this point it's pretty clear that Perks is not affected by the Vitality Curse. Uh I don't know if it's that going to NA killed him. I don't think it's even that because he looked bad there too. Um so it's at this point in time, I think, that I'm at least willing to say he should probably retire by now. Uh, I don't see a whole lot of hope on him recovering, and in this series, it's probably going to show itself again. Meanwhile, on the SK side, Irrelevant is still doing very well. Niski, I think, is still a very much contributing factor on this team. But then it's DOS have, have flopped very much just like last year. And then Isma, unfortunately who showed up very good in the beginning, isn't really finding angles anymore. I'm not going to call him an inter by any means, but he's not being able to find those engages the way he did when he debuted. So uh, coming into this matchup, I think SK are probably going to take it 2-1 very unconvincingly because I don't think either team is all that great. Uh, The difference will be whether TH ends up having that dead weight in perks or whether he shows up on the day but I, I do think that SK is still the better of the two teams. And whatever happens, they're just either team is going to get completely stomped in the next round.
0: I agree with the result. I have SK 2-1 as well. I think that when I was watching the series uh, for the playoffs, I thought TH, uh, you know, they got pretty fairly beaten by BDS. Like BDS are, are genuinely a really good team. And they, they took care of business against Heretics. It was... Uh, a, a relatively convincing series. The second game, they looked a little bit better, and I think they had a lead for a brief period of time in the early game. Um, but there was a, a big Baron steal uh, from Sheo that was really nice. Uh, that helped uh, keep the keep the game alive for BDS and take control at that point. I think I think SK. I was definitely more surprised with how bad they looked. Um, I think to your point, yes, Is- Isma definitely has not been able to find those same kind of engages work well with Nisky as much. Um, but I, I feel like Hui and Lucian for Nisky aren't really great picks for him. I think you know, like obviously, like like Nisky's a good enough player that he can you know he can pilot those champions fine, right. It's, it's just not like his main play style and what you're used to seeing out of Nisky. And I think the the Hui game, like he just got really rolled. I believe he was against Yone mid for VTO, and that and that seemed like a really oppressive matchup. Like the the just the, the insane amount of range that Yone has to uh, to cover ground, and you know just whether it be short trades with like you know WQ and maybe an auto attack, and just kind of poke you out with the E recoil or find an all in on you. Niski was down and so much in CS he was getting shoved in. The the Hui game was bad. the 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 Lucian game was I mean it was it was a decent Lucian game but it was just so crazy because that was like a Lucian Lee Sin mid game and VTO just somehow just went crazy on Lee Sin mid it's like okay dude like respect to you like you got like a triple kill I think in like that final team fight or whatever it was like all right like yeah you're good I get it um so I I think that's the interesting thing for me is that again although Niski I'm sure is more than capable of, of piloting those champions he's a professional player it's just not what you're used to kind of seeing out of him and having him in that you know like carry really like you know hard carry kind of lucian mid very aggressive uh play style because like even even if you can like find like shove against lee sin mid uh like the 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 roams from lucian aren't that great unless you really are like perma diving bot with like a a tank, you know, have heavy cc support where your jungler's is coming with you as well cuz what like you're you're just there to provide damage on a dive, so you kind of need to have still someone to be able to, to facilitate it and tank. Um so I I do want to see Nisqy back on like some more like, you know, maybe more of his traditional like, you know, utility for find some shove really work and coordinate well with Isma to get him going again because that was really a, a bright spot of of SK in the early early stages was Isma was was taking over some games and just finding engages finding picks on on whatever champion he was playing whether it was a tank or a carry he was doing really well so i hope that SK can kind of get back into that vein i want to see exekick play better as well that was not a great series from exekick either so i'm expecting a bounce back basically i don't think that th is really going to kind of be up to that level, I think Perks is obviously going to be the biggest kind of tipping point there. We'll see what happens uh, with him. But I got a 2-1 for SK as well.
1: Then up next on the docket, same day, uh, that very first day of the upcoming weekend, we've got Mad Lions Koi versus Giant X. I think that this is a very clear-cut matchup as far as I'm concerned. Giant X is the weakest team in the top eight. There's not really a whole lot of win condition I've been seeing on that roster. You know, Odo's a fine weak side, but he's not really going to be your carry. Jackies has had some very good moments, uh, to be sure, but he's. it shows that he's still a fairly green player. He's got a, a weaker side uh, macro sense, or a macro sense on the weaker side, I should say. Uh, Peach is a very confusing player that he can pop off in moments, but it never really feels like he's doing all that much later on. It's kind of a weird dichotomy there um ignar never put this guy ever again on the yumi he's trying to play it like an alistar running around the jungle and it is never make me watch that again please
0: that was that was an embarrassing (laughs) yumi game my goodness
1: and then uh patrick he's he's kind of been okay as always but at this point i'm kind of starting to realize like how many more years are we going to give this guy before we acknowledge that he's never really stepped up when it matters the most he's he's just Average and and that's not really gonna cut it when you're trying to win the league. So, uh, not a whole lot of hope I've got for this team. And then on the other side, meanwhile with Mad Lions Coy, you've got a very exciting roster. Uh, we've got win conditions all across the board. Anyone could really pop off and start carrying if they're enabled. Like Jackie's, they're kind of fresh all across the board. They do have weaker macro just because they are newer to this upper stage of play, but. I think that all of them are very mechanically gifted, and and if in the right circumstances, they will be able to carry. So I see this being a, a very much a fiesta of fighting, but I don't think it's ever really going to be close when you look at the overall game state. It should be a very clean 2-0 for Mad Lions Koi.
0: I have a 2-0 as well. I don't I don't know how clean it will be, because I, I, I do agree with you saying it will be, you know, I'd expect it to be somewhat chaotic. Um, I wouldn't. Be, i wouldn't put it past there to be a couple you know throws here and there at some points um but the 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 quick summary of, of mine is pretty similar to yours i'm not really scared of like any of like the gx players like jackie's had the, the great debut game he's been up and down since then you're not scared of odawan really taking over a game Peach is just like, okay, like, yeah, like, he, he can be good, but again, like, am I expecting him to like 1v9 a game and be reliable enough to actually like take over a game and, and like execute it properly and be able to like, actually like, like be the main threat on the team now. And then Patrick is the same thing, like you said, where it's like, I, I, I've liked Patrick for a few years now, but it's, it's, it's exactly right. You know, it's like, he's, he's a solid AD carry and, and there's nothing wrong with that for the kind of team that GX is right now. But, yeah, it doesn't really seem like there's going to be any more room for him to, like, become uh, a top 80 carry and, like, really solidify himself in, like, the upper half or top four of the league. So, even though he does—he he has his, his fair share of games where he can he can take over a game, but am I, like, really, like, scared of, of Patrick uh, being a strong threat uh, reliably in a best-of series? Not really. Um, I don't think— mad lions really has that kind of pedigree at either i do i'll give the credit to elioia um you know he should be the kind of guy that can do that if he's put in the right position to do that but obviously with the rest of the team being rookies it's not like they really have you know a pedigree either although we have actually seen Supa in some of these games take over um best ofs is a bit of a different animal uh, GX does have some veteran experience with Oduamne and Ignar, albeit, and, and Patrick as well. I, Patrick's been around for a while, um, but Oduamne, you know, he's probably the best player on the team. But he's he's the top laner. Ignar's we, we won't talk about that UMB game like you said, but he's generally speaking uh, a, a pretty reliable and and good support. But again, it's just you know not a real main carry position. You know, obviously you can you can facilitate all your guys around the map as much as you want, but at the end of the day, you're not. The one actually getting all the gold and resources to to take advantage of it so i do have the 20 for mad will it be super clean i don't expect it to be but at the end of the day i do expect them to, to to bring it home to zero
1: then to kind of keep the train of thought going we're going to kind of skip over that sunday matchup and focus again on the bo3s here uh we've got next on the docket is going to be Fnatic versus the winner of sk team heretics which both of us are saying sk so we're kind of going to run along with that um assumption. Like I said before, I don't think it really matters who we see here. Either team should be stomped, really, realistically speaking. Uh, I think that in the games we've seen from Fnatic, they pretty systematically dismantled Mad Lions Koi. Uh, game one felt like a very methodical win where they they never really fell behind, and, and they were able to take that down pretty comfortably. And then game two was obviously that draw-no-poke-comp face-off, uh, but Mad Lions, Koi's little wins here and there never really seemed to translate into something that would take the game for them. Uh, I think that it, it was pretty clear Fnatic was running the map better. They identified a window to Siege top. They chunked Supa under turret, forced two inhibs out of that. And then uh, in the end, they hilariously won by literal luck. Uh, I reviewed that Elder fight to the microsecond. And uh, what I found at least is that Razorik could dropped his smite on Alvaro by accident. And then, unfortunately, Elyoya did smite the drake, but smited literally a frame or two too early, because uh, Noah secured it right after the smite landed. I wasn't even able to find what HP was left on the drake after the smite. They were that close. Um, so it was a very much pure chance win there for Fnatic. Uh, it was clear that Elder is what won them the game. I think Madlines could have won that fight otherwise. Um, even if that's not convincing, though, Fnatic also took a Game 2 off G2, uh, and for a time we're winning Game 3 against G2, so I think that this team has been showing they are pretty strong and deserving of a position in the top four. Uh, I think they're looking very cohesive, and their two potential opponents here have significant issues to figure out. It should be a Fnatic 2-0 no matter what, even if it's SK. I'm,
0: g- I'm going to give it to Fnatic. I'm going to give it a 2-1. Just because I'm gonna give SK the the benefit of the doubt if they if they beat Team Heretics, hopefully they did find, uh, you know, something to, to get them back in rhythm. Whether it's getting Niski a bit more comfortable and enabling Isma, or maybe kick has you know some some good games and can find a a little bit of a, a little bit of a hot streak after a a little bit of a subpar series, uh, in the previous one. But I think at the end of the day, yeah, it's basically just gonna come down to me thinking that you know seeing that. Fanatic mad series, even though that second game was very spicy The the big thing is them being able to take a game off of G2 and being the only best of three to actually go to Three games up until this point everything else has been a 2-0 um, So I'm gonna give them that as the 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 edge I do think that you know, we, we have seen SK on their day be a very good team It's been you know a little bit far removed since then because that was more at the early stages of the of the season um, so I am going to give SK a little bit of credit. I, I do think that they are definitely capable of taking a game, and I'll give that to them. But I will have Fnatic taking it 2-1. to one.
1: And then the final matchup of the weekend, before we again loop back to the BO5, is Vitality versus the winner of Mad Lions Koi GX. But uh, since I, both of us are pretty confident Mad Lions are going to come through, we're going to make that assumption. Frankly, I've got no idea how or why Vitality is even here. Um, they looked convincingly better than SK on the day. I'll give them that, but Hilly, I think is currently on his biggest inting arc ever of his career. He's been around forever, but he's never looked this bad, kind of disgusting. And it makes me gag every time I see him walk up melee range on an Ash. Um, Photon has still not really sold me as an LEC level top laner. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure why he's the one guy Vitality chose to keep, He's still fairly unimpressive from where I'm sitting. Uh, and then Daglas, he makes kind of the weirdest choices of all. Uh, he'll There's that one play where he was chilling in the back of Drake Pit. Four members of BDS walk in and push away his team through the bot lane. He could have very easily walked out through mid, but chooses to stay for some reason. BDS casually walk in, kill him and then secure the drake anyway. So this team just seems like they prey on either a Karzi 1v9 or a VTO 1v9. Otherwise, they don't have a whole lot of win condition because the other three players just aren't really cutting it. Uh, And to their credit, they are pulling it off, but I just feel so much better about Mad Lions Quay as a team. uh, And I wouldn't quite be mentally able to absorb Vitality securing a top four position in the region. So it just for my own mental sanity, it has to be a 2-0 win for Mad Lions Koi or else what is going on with the world?
0: So I have Vitality winning, actually. I'm going to give it 2-1 to Vitality. I think that obviously this will be an explosive series with plenty of bloodshed, with plenty of ints, whether it be from Hilly or probably from some of the rookies on Mad. I would assume there's going to be some moments there just because I do expect this to be a very chaotic series. Mad has been a very aggressive a uh, very volatile team, uh, as has Vitality, obviously. Vitality, obviously, have Karzi and Hilly, which is what they're, they've are basically made a living off of. But I, I will be taking, basically, even though there's a little bit of a, a cliche kind of thing to take, I'm going to play the, the Vets card, the Veteran Experience card, over the, the rookies, uh, especially four rookies uh, on the team, I think that... When uh, a series, I think like this, especially is going to be so hectic, you're going to kind of rely on, as crazy it's going to sound, and rely on someone like Hilly, hopefully, to have like some maybe good shot calling, um, and, and and make sound decisions. Uh, we'll we'll see if that is is in his vocabulary for that series. Um, but th- that that's what I'm I'm going to bank it on. Is that you know this should be a team that has, you know, plenty of LEC experience under their belt. Uh even Photon at least has, you know, a year uh under his belt. VTO's been a really well respected uh and strong player uh for his time on misfits, had that little bit of a blip last year at the XL, heretics and went better. Daglas is the guy that kind of like how you're saying, like I'm I'm he's the guy I'm, I'm not still that high on. The there has there have been some better performances uh he had a couple of brand games i think definitely one uh where he had some some good brand play but it's not that hard to play brand you press w and you press r and you kind of just kill everyone if you have like another person on your team that's doing decent so i'm, I'm that's again kind of cliche kind of like a cop-out answer if you want to call it that fine i'll take i'll take the blame but it's going to be a 2-1 vitality for me over mad lines I'm, I'm just gonna rely on the experience, even if. Uh, You know this should be a very crazy game i'll 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 take that as my as my reasoning
1: and then last but certainly certainly not least as we kind of exit out of the bo3s and into the bo5s the very first matchup we're going to see is between the two teams that have been yet to be defeated uh, here in playoffs and that is bds and g2 esports i think this is set to be a banger and i'm actually not really sure which way it's going to go Uh, All year, I've been fairly confident that G2 are the team that should win, and there shouldn't really be too much competition. But with the way things have been panning out, BDS has risen to be a very viable contender that could very well upset G2 if if they play their cards right. And I think that it's kind of interesting that both teams have developed a fairly similar style, in a sense, in 2024 so far. Uh, The early game for both sides practically doesn't matter. Um, in, in many cases you will see that the either of these two teams will start out either behind or even or something to that effect. And then they will just show in the later halves of the game that their team fight setup is just superior to the rest of the league. They know how to fight together and they know how to position and take those fights. Uh, they will eventually just decimate a fight and then never really let go of the lead until the end of the game where they do take it to a win. So the way that I'm kind of inclined to break the tie is fairly simple. G2 within EU only really lose if their opponent is G2. Uh, They have yet to really curb their instinct to run it down. They're carrying it over from last year. Uh, It may have even in some instances become worse, I'd say. Uh, BDS don't really have that problem, is what, I, what I've what i been kind of gathering, is that sure they failed to find a fight against KC, but literally every other game, including their loss in the regular season of G2, has looked good. Uh, against G2, they were winning the early game, and it's unfortunately just one bad fight that lost them that game. Uh, so I think that, surprisingly enough, I'm going to give this matchup to BDS, actually. Uh, I think that on the day, they're going to come in with better preparation Um, and you know, it's, it's sort of a G2 fan cop-out to say that G2 aren't going to take this as seriously since they still have an extra life. But even, even so, I think that BDS are going to come better on the day. And I'm confident that whatever happens here, we're going to see a rematch in the finals because these are without a doubt the two best teams in the league right now. Both of them have very clean games, uh, when they are winning G2 are just unfortunately the less clean team so far. And so I got to give it to BDS 3-1. Wow,
0: okay, yeah, I, def- I definitely wasn't expecting that coming from you, uh, but that that's good, because uh, I I, I, will, I will say I have G2 winning the series. Um, I do want to make a quick bounce back to Vitality, though. VTO did get his contract extended by Vitality through 2025. It originally was supposed to end at the end of this season. It goes for to the end of next season now, so congrats to VTO on that. I think it's pretty well-deserved. Hopefully you can continue to perform well. Uh, But as for BDS versus G2, I want to bring up something that I saw on Twitter. I was browsing Twitter, uh, as one does in the morning. And there was a tweet from Thorin uh, talking about BDS saying that, you know, you can dislike their style, but it's the other team's fault for losing to it. Uh, He thinks it's a bad sign for the league when they're too close to the top of the rankings. And then Nuke had a reply underneath it saying, like, you know, talking about, oh, like, what style playing better playing meta champions like having great team fighting and better lane phase like if you think it's we have a certain style then you know and you shouldn't lose to us then like you gotta you gotta learn league of legends better man like get get with the times uh, that was a, a brief summary of what nuke said so going to that's dominate then uh, I will dominate ended up making a quote retweet of that, of, of Nuke's tweet actually, saying that BDS simply do not have a good landing phase, though. They have good drafts for the most part, and are the best team at, like, objective setups, setups and stuff like that, but, you know, you can go through their games and stuff, and you could say that they they won very, very few of their early games, and then this ended up bringing someone using Oracle's Elixir, which is the website that I use for stats and stuff, so shout out to them again. Uh, and it ended up showing that based off of uh, Oracles Elixir's early game rating that BDS is the second worst early game team in the league. The only early game team that was worse than them was... G2? Rogue. Wrong. Of course it's Rogue. God, figure it out. G2 had the best early game rating in the league. Actually, and it was by a, a quite a large margin. The second closest team was carman corp at a 55.3 and then g2 is way up there at 61.6 so i'm not going to tell you exactly what the numbers mean but the higher the better and then the lower the worse it is so bds was the worst uh, only uh second worst i should say only rogue was worse than them and g2 was the highest as for the mid to late game rating bds was the extremely by far the best out of the lec and then the second best was g2 but bds's mid to late game rating was over double what g2's was so there is you know kind of basically what dominates point was is that there is a clear gap in bds's play style if you can get them behind early and you don't let them really find those objective setups and find that superior team fighting that there is a a a textbook blueprint of beating this team and that could you know obviously impact how they might do internationally and stuff like that and and, and kind of agreeing with thorne maybe in a slight way saying that you know like he didn't explicitly say that it's a bad thing for the league that that bds is doing so good but it's just that, no, you know, there, there is a clear way to beat them, and when there is a team with a clear flaw like this, it's not going to bode well for them, you know, internationally and, and stuff like that, which, you know, I, I think it's pretty, it's a pretty reasonable take. Uh, but he was getting some, some flack for that uh, uh, on, on Twitter and his replies and stuff like that. But I think basically kind of bringing it back here is that you know G2 does have the best early game rating by far a lot better than BDS is obviously so if there is going to be a way for that you would expect G2 to take it it might be in the early game which I found interesting based off of what you were saying you didn't seem to think that G2 had really good
1: early games i'm kind of shocked to be honest with you i'm shocked that they're first
0: yeah they're first by a good margin
1: See the reason I said that they were going to be last is I thought that you were kind of leading into that because I was talking about G2's bad but anyway.
0: It's it's Rogue. It's always yeah, Rogue. It's, they player play the game.
1: I I didn't even think about that because Rogue <laughs> is not a team I'm thinking about to be mm. honest with you but I I'm shocked that G2 is first because I I feel like sure they might build leads leads in lane like I know that uh, Han Sama had that one game where he popped off 4-0 and zero very early on, and then they never really let go. Um, but otherwise, I have felt that G2 is the type of team that, I don't know, maybe, I don't know how uh, Oracle's Elixir is going to classify this point in the game, but it's not quite the early, early stages, but it's maybe between the early and mid that I feel like G2 starts kind of making stupid choices or giving up random kills or not setting up right on an objective or whatever it is. And that's kind of why I've been down on them because they are also a team that I felt at least from watching them sort of brings it back through their team fighting because they are pretty good at that. So uh, that being said, it doesn't really shock me BDS outmatches them in the late game. Uh, I think that again, say what you will about the fact that they are losing so many early games being able to find team fights that consistently and to that great of an effect. Uh, There was one fight against uh, heretics that I think stands out the most to me where it was just a wombo combo to end all wombo combos that ended up swinging the game for them. And being able to pull that off as consistently as they have is to me, at least very impressive. Um, And, you know, internationally that will suck because better teams won't let you do that. But you know I, I gotta give credit where credit's due and i do think that bds are, have been looking very very good so far
0: so for the the, the early game rating it, it cuts off at 15 minutes so it takes like uh gold the uh, gold lead and then it does value dragons as well i, I didn't like fully get a great grasp of it. i did read like one of the articles that uh they had on the website from like 2019 so it might be it might be outdated for all i know i don't know but there's nothing more recent than that so i'd hope that it's still the same kind of formula but it it's mainly like gold difference is like the big thing and then it also does like it it, it calculates like dragon um like valuations into it but i don't know if they like if it correlates it to like a gold lead or if it has like its own specific value as like a dragon like factor in like some sort of formula or something i don't know exactly how it works but that's what it bases it off of dragons and then gold lead and then it kind of takes it as like okay what's the probability of based off of this much gold advantage in the dragons that you have What's the probability like percentage of you winning this game and then it assigns that probability a number in that rating system and then it takes the average of that or i don't know if it's exactly the average but it, it calculates them over time and that's how you get that final number Of uh, in this case again g2 is a 61.6 in the early game and bds was a 42.6 uh in the early game so that's that's how kind of how that stuff works um there's an article on oracle's elixir if you type in like early game rating like their little search bar you can like go like a couple pages deep and you'll you'll find it pretty easily uh if anyone wants to look for that themselves but uh, I, I think I, I think i said this already i do have g2 winning 3-1 uh, i'm gonna i am gonna be rooting for bds obviously i think they're an incredibly fun team uh, i like them a lot more with crown shock because i like to a bit more than ice but ice has been doing pretty solidly um, and obviously, Adam has been so much fun. Nuke has been such a huge surprise, continuing his just like really great performances, whether it's like Azir or Oriana. He's playing super, super well. Um, I'm really hoping that one of those guys, in my opinion, can be the X Factor throughout the course of a series to really like put this team on their back. It's going to be hard because, you know, if you're, if you're looking at Nuke versus Caps, that seems like such a, a monumental mismatch, but Nuke's actually playing really well. Uh, so hopefully, you know, Shao, I think, could actually probably have like the, the most likelihood of taking over because Yike does have his his inconsistencies still. There's still been plenty of times of him getting caught out or getting a little bit too over aggressive, not finding the exact right play in a situation. Um, but it, it will come down to the early game because Shao is prone to, to find, falling behind in the early game. And if he gets up behind, it's going to be really hard for him to support his laners, whether it's going to be adam or nuke to to get ahead and find some advantages and set them up for those team fights. So at the end of the day, I'm going to have g two three one
1: the one call out that I will make, and this is something that's been brewing a little bit, and I'm very excited to see what happens in the series, is that coming into the the very end of um the regular season where the top two teams, BDS and G2, picked who they'd be going up against in the first round. Uh, Caps and Adam were the two people that uh, were brought onto PGL, post-game lobby, to, to kind of discuss. And the the topic of Zach came up in conversation there. And Adam very famously said that Zach Top is garbage. All right. I don't know... Uh, Because, you know, the the casters there brought up the fact that Zach has been showing up in solo queue at least, and that it might be a factor. And of course, we now have seen that BB has piloted it to very great effect. Um, In some cases, I he's pulled off plays that I thought were impossible. Uh, And then Adam, I don't know whether he has a pocket pick planned that will counter it, or he knows to step on blobs because nobody else seems to know that. Um, But Maybe he's got something cooking, and now I'm very curious. Are BDS going to kind of bite the shame bullet and ban the Zack? Or are they going to let it through, and then Adam will have to deal with it? Because that's a bit of a storyline that's been brewing, and I just want to see what happens.
0: I, I think if there is a guy in the LEC that would either you know be more aware or cognizant of a pick like that... Because um, like, it, it's not necessarily fair to say Zack is like a like an off meta pick or like a cheese pick because he is genuinely strong but he's just not picked a lot like a lot of champions you know like the we've talked about this before with pro play you know like pros just like playing what they're comfortable with but like like Zach is in that sphere of like he's a he's a he's a, he's a strong champion clearly you can see it in in these games you know we we won't talk about that castle game like i mentioned before he we went like 0-7 but you watch like a good player play it like broken blade and you know he had that crazy uh fight top lane uh oh god but who were they playing? Was that GX, right?
1: Yeah, it was a GX where he.
0: Yeah, he was. It was. It was a one v one with Odo that started off as a one v one, and his passive got procked. Uh, or no, don't think his passive got procked. He just kept on. No, like, it he, did get he, propped, he his, yeah okay but yeah like g2 comes up there and gx comes up there and then he lives yike gets in there first then yike definitely should have died but he somehow didn't and then g2 comes up and saves it and like gx basically get aced just because like broken blades like drain tanking for literally like 30 seconds before they get up there that it's wild so it is a it is a strong pick we need to see people picking it more if there is a guy who does have a counter for it in lane especially in lane i feel like it would be adam uh, it's not something I've done a lot of, of, you know, theory crafting on, like, what really would counter, like, Zack specifically. Like, the Darius seems kind of cool, because I think, I think Oscar did pick it. I don't remember if it was Zach top lane or not, but he did pick Darius, and you can kind of apprehend him out of the the, the slingshot. Um, but you still kind of need to be careful of, of where you're at, because if, even if you apprehend him out of it, the ult can be really explosive if, if he lands in the wrong spot, if, if your teammates are too close, so... That seems kind of interesting and that's obviously uh uh an, uh an adam pick uh you know maybe something like olaf where you can kind of just drain tank him probably harder than the Zack can and you can ignore like the the stretching strike and the slingshot and the knockup so like you can kind of nullify a lot of that annoying cc and then and you're auto attacking him for like you know you're getting that life steal back maybe even more than the Zack is with his blob so that'd be kind of interesting too i think so i think if there's a guy who can have it covered it would be adam
1: Either way, I think it's going to be a very, very interesting match. I'm hoping it doesn't end in three games. Uh, Again, both teams have been showing very good stuff, and whichever way it's going to go, I'm sure it's going to be fun to watch. So, with all that being said, I'd like to extend a very big thanks to all of you for sticking around till the very end, continuing to support us here on the Western Focus podcast. By now, who's been sticking around, you know the drill. Drop a follow here on Spotify if you haven't already so you don't miss our coming episodes. We will be doing our best to stay more consistent, but you will be definitely seeing us in the coming weeks. If you enjoyed, a five-star five star rating would go a very long way in supporting us. Make sure that other people know that there's a show worth checking out. Also drop us a follow on Twitter. That's at no rival underscore esports for all other esports-related banger content. And next week, we're going to be back with the... Uh, LCS week four, I believe, and then the LEC week five. Don't miss out. Stick around. We'll see you then.